0: Uh, hey everyone! Yeah, this is <laughs> this is the first ever episode I record outside. This is the first outdoors episode, and and the part of me really felt like something was, the part of me really felt like something was missing when I was always recording inside. Something about being outdoors when when I'm going on my monologues. That's just that's just right. And I couldn't help it. I. It's it's officially the twenty seventh of December, two thousand eighteen, and I just had dinner with a friend of mine, one of one of my closest friends. You know, and, and all, I'd only say I have, maybe five to six people that are. That I'm that I can say they're they're my close friends. And I see this guy maybe once a year. And last last year I saw him. He came over for New Year's Eve to my place. And uh, and I haven't seen him since. And we barely talked since. You know, we barely message each other. Or anything. He's actually half Brazilian and half German, which is a crazy mix if you think about it. So he's. Uh, he has that conscientiousness, he has that uh, German part of him that's down to, to work and be productive and be organized and be direct and, and cool. But at the same time, he has the Brazilian side to him, which is warm and fun and welcoming and easygoing and relaxed. One of the most emotionally intelligent people I've ever met in my life. No doubt about that. And, you know, yesterday I had a 10-hour, let's say, journey from Hamburg to, to my aunt's place in Iselon and, and, yeah, like today I had dinner with, uh, with him and his family. And he walked me back to my aunt's place because uh, he lives really close to my aunt's place. And that's how we met three years ago. And while we were walking, we passed this football field football field I'm looking at right now, you know, and I remember because I saw this football field when I first came to Germany and how close it is to my aunt's house, it's literally a two-minute walk and for me I thought, one of the first time I saw it I thought to myself, fuck, there's a football field right next to my aunt's house, you know, to me that concept was crazy because if you go to Amman or Jordan, you know, like you you could find football fields here and there but never in a in a neighborhood where people are living you know never never this big this this is a proper proper football field and you know we passed by it while we were walking home and I got I got to my aunt's place and she had her friends over and I'm like fuck it I'm I'm I have to record I have to record, I have this episode in me. So much has happened this week, you know, since I recorded the last episode. I was, I recorded the last episode and I talked about sanity signals, right? And how society, we outsource the problem of sanity to society, to the people around us by projecting sanity signals back and forth constantly with every action that we do. And society interacts by either rewarding us, uh, rejecting us, or being neutral towards us. And everyone wants to sort of be accepted within, accepted within society. And that's why yeah, people get sane. They're sort of programmed to sort of be whatever society wants it to be by having the people around you always coordinate. Rather not coordinate, but rather... You have so many different sides around you that are pushing you in different directions, trying to mold you into being what society wants you to be within that circle, to fit your place, in a sense. But then you'll realize that you know, there is no place to fit in and there is no... Like, all of this doesn't make sense. You get to be whoever you, you want to be, you know. But, but that's besides the point. I recorded that episode, Sanity Signals, and I had to go to my friend's place, Dennis, also one of my closest friends, and I, I had to go there in like three hours, and I had to like edit the episode and upload it and get ready and clean up my place and and go. And I got there, and and this is this is something I really want to share. You know, this episode. Before we continue, I want to make it clear what this epito- episode is going to be about. I went to my friend's place on the twenty second. I went to Dennis's place on the twenty second of December, I think. Yeah and uh, it's the twenty seventh now. Twenty sixth, you know, it's it's midnight. <laughs> so it's the twenty seventh. But yeah, I have to jump the fence to get into the football field, guys. Wait. Uh. so it was uh it was crazy because I arrived I arrived I had to drive an hour to this place, uh with a bus and train, and then I got there and he picked me up and we drove another 20 minutes and we got to this party. And it was this, uh, there's a sort of very big lake and there was this bar on the lake, you know, very expensive, high-class looking bar. And we went inside and I was like, you know, I I didn't have any expectations. I had no idea where this guy's taking me, Uh, but I, I know he takes me to nice places because he... He's just that type of guy. He's really, how can I say this? He's a DJ, so he's he knows how to have fun and he's, you know, quite connected. So he took me to this place. And yeah, I wanted to say I wanted to talk about uh, this this episode. I wanted to talk about New Year's Eve because New Year's Eve is coming up and how you know, we all have this type of expectation of New Year's Eve. And I'll get into that, but just keep in mind that I want to talk about where we're sort of going in life and how New Year's Eve fits into that, because it's coming up and like so much has happened this past year, but it passed like a blink of an eye. And then that's the same thing is going to happen next year, right? So we got to this, we got to this place. We got to this uh, bar party on the lake slash beach type thing and I went inside and I looked around and I was you know music was nice it was a nice place but there were (laughs) there were a lot you know the people there were a lot older than than us they were between 40 and 60 years old all of them we were the youngest guys there but he came with a with a few friends of his and we were sitting on a table with the owner of the place. <sighs> so this this is a bit hard to say, you know. It wasn't something I expected to happen. But Dennis looked at me and he's like, "Dude, uh, introduce yourself to the owner when you get the chance, you know, because we're on his table and he's uh, he'll like it if he knows who's on his table. You know, you're invited to this place by him, per se. So." I, I dance a bit first, I talk to a few other people, and then the owner sees me sitting on his table and he just looks at me and he asks my friend Dennis, you know, who's this guy? And Dennis invites me over and he's like, yo, talk to him. And I oblige, and I have to talk to him in German, of course, I mean, English wasn't an option. And I do that. I talk to him, I put on the charisma, I, this is the guy's place, I have to make him feel good about himself. You know, and it's not something it's not something I do that I I like doing. I don't like getting people I don't like boosting people's egos just for the sake of boosting them, but I felt like it was necessary in this situation, so that's exactly what I did. And I only did it through things I believed in, right? So when I was talking to him, introduced myself, let him talk. I always waited three seconds before I said something else while maintaining eye contact and without changing my facial expressions. You know, just maintain my smile and warm, direct gaze into him. Because if you give people the chance, and if you actually wait three seconds before you say anything, uh, the, the person will usually continue. And if you let them continue, they'll talk more and they'll share more. And the more they share, the more they think they can share, and the more they'll continue to share. And the more they share with you, the more they'll like you and respect you. The more they'll feel close to you or whatever, and definitely like this guy he's rich and he's uh he's connected and he's all of that, and I wanted to make him feel good because I'm invited to his table so I sit there i I talk to him, and I tell him, you know, I really like the design of this place it's uh, uh it's uh, I actually meant that you know it was uniquely designed, and it had a Christmasy vibe to it because it was Christmas." <sighs> <sighs> And we're talking and we're talking and we're talking and the guy is smashed, you know, the guy is maybe 50. He had a, a big plaster on his face. I don't know what's happened. He was scratched or something. And yeah, he, he was pretty old, really drunk. And he's just telling me about how this place, uh, how the government didn't want him to open this bar on the lake and how he went against them and he made it happen and how how he made it happen and he's so proud of that and how everyone is here because of him. Everyone here is having a good time because of him and how he focused on the very rich and old target group because they're the ones who have the money to pay and students don't have the money to keep on paying. And you know, he has he make he made a good point. Everyone there was spending good money. And so, like, we continue talking, we continue talking, and to to his left, you know, I was standing to his right, and to his left, there was a girl with her back to us, wearing a skirt, okay? So, while we were talking, he sort of paused, he looked to his left, he saw the girl, and he just extended his hand, and put his finger between her skirt, between her legs, He fingered her a bit and tried to pull her to him while doing that. And he pulled, he was pulling her to to us. And she turned around. And she saw me see that he did that. You know, in that second, you know, we, she, we made eye contact, her and I, we made eye contact for a second. And she... She saw that, I saw that, and she was she acted really awkward because she saw that, I saw that. And then he looks at me and he says, "Khalid, this is my daughter. Introduce yourself. So after seeing that, my system was in shock, you know, imagine that, you know, you just saw a guy finger his daughter in front of you. And she wasn't like 18 or 20, as if that helps, you know, she was 14. Top's, so I I had to like not react to that at all. Smile, look her in the eyes, and give her give her a handshake and introduce myself and tell her hi. I'm Khalid. And I had to. I don't know how to react, man. I had to continue the conversation with him. Like he talked with her for two seconds, and then, like she didn't want to stay because she saw that I saw that he fingered her, and he. She walked away and we continued talking. And then he continued telling me about how, again, we're all here because of him. And then I looked at him and I said, yeah, we're all here because of you. And I pointed with my hand and with my arm to everyone. We're all here because of you. And I saw that he was so proud. He was so happy about that. And then I excused myself and I left. And I just continued my night as if nothing happened. I didn't know how to react. How do you react when you see a guy finger his own daughter in front of you? Right? And the way she reacted to him fingering her wasn't... It wasn't surprising to her. You know, she wasn't surprised. She wasn't anything. She was just surprised when she saw that I saw it. And I thought, you know, what the fuck? It's funny, like you're in a position where the owner of the bar that you're in and everyone's enjoying their time at did something like that in front of you. And what do you get to do as a person? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go and tell uh, his wife that he just fingered his daughter? Do I tell the police? Do I tell the owner? Not the owner. He's the owner of the bar. Do I tell the manager of the bar? What the fuck do I do? What the fuck can I do in a position like this? You know, I was... uh, a bit confused, man, I have to, I have to admit. Yeah, but it's not just about the confusion, man. It's just, I looked at this guy and I thought about what happened, you know? And it's just sick. It's absolutely sick. But then you see this guy, this guy who has so much cash and so much money. And you see him at this like Christmas night sitting down getting getting drunk with people that he supposedly loves but I, I talked to him for a good 20 minutes before I could I, like before he shut up and I left and I saw that man this guy is not happy this is not someone who's happy you know and someone who fingers his daughter is not someone who who who's happy and that's what I you know, it's, it's, it strikes you. It's weird because so many people in this world have a lot of money and so many people have a lot of material goods or position or title or power or all of that. And the thing is, the, mo- the like, wherever you are in your life, you'll always be in a state where you still have to continue, you know, or like you're always in a state of going forward until you die. So even if I, even, even if I'm in a state right now, let's look at my life. You know, I barely have any money, man. I'm I'm so broke. I don't have any. I don't have any jobs lined up. I don't. I graduate in six months, and my position is pretty. It's pretty weird, right? And let's say 20 years from now, if if I if I do become a millionaire, or if I do uh, find the woman of my dreams, or if I do do all of that, I still have to raise my kids, for example, and that's not easy. And then while raising my kids, maybe because I'm a millionaire, some guys are going to try to kidnap my daughter, for example, so they can try to blackmail me and get get a lot of money out of me. So even though I did cover those things that I might deem important for me right now, there's still a lot of problems that are gonna pop up even when I reach that stage. I'll still have to get out of bed and I'll still have to continue my life. It's not like I'll have I'll have the perfect life on some point and full stop. No, things keep continuing and problems keep popping up. And if you if you're not happy inside, you'll never be happy, you know. You'll never be happy by gaining something outside of yourself unless it's something that significantly changes the rest of your life consistently for a long time. And that's what I want to talk about here, you know. Because all of us look at new years and we look at it through a lens of hope we look at it through a lens of, you know, this is the time to change, maybe this is the time for me to start living the life that I've always thought that I could be living. And all the power to you, man, you know, you should always strive to change and live a better life. But the problem is, is that we, we think that that only works on New Year's Eve, you know, and we celebrate it and we get completely smashed. And we wait uh, for the countdown and hope for that we'd have maybe someone that we can kiss and share that moment with. And then the countdown happens and everyone celebrates and holy shit, you're in a new year. But absolutely nothing changed, you know. And then all of a sudden you have all of these promises you made to yourself you have to keep. But they're really hard to keep. And then you maybe keep them for a month or two. Probably way less, and then you stop doing them, you know, one by one. And then you're back to living your life as if nothing happened with the guilt that you promised yourself to do something and you're not doing. And that guilt by itself takes so much energy away from you that you could be putting into something that actually helps you change, you know? So that's what I really want to get into this episode, man. And I want to, I want to, I, wa- I shared the story that I that happened to me last Saturday because first off, it's a fucked up story and I have to share it with someone, man and second of all, I saw in front of me a man with a lot of money and a lot of influence and power and I saw someone at the same time who really wasn't happy someone with, I don't know how to describe it, problems And it's a lesson to take, you know, you don't need to make mistakes yourself to learn from them. You can watch people make their own mistakes, (laughs) you know, and you you just don't repeat what they did wrong. And I don't want to see, I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want to see people strive for things that they think they want just for for the sake of thinking that they want it and then putting so much energy into that, or maybe not enough because the energy isn't going in the right place and then Seeing them maybe get what they want and realize they never even wanted this to begin with. Or knowing what you want, but not knowing how to approach what you want. You know, because we all want to live the best possible lives that we think we can live. But we just want to somehow be living them, you know. We don't expect that we need to do maybe something different in our lives for us to be living that life. Because what is anything in this life to begin with? It's just me acting and interacting with this world, you know, and what, what do I mean by that? It's every single action you take is giving off a type of information into the world. It's you, you're moving atoms, you're doing something. And the movement of atoms is a type of change in information and energy fuck like instead of speaking in terms like this when I look at someone and I talk to them if I want them to feel closer to me or more drawn to me like I said I I don't talk for three seconds and then they'll probably continue talking that's me acting in a certain way for the world or universe to act back in a way that is more beneficial to me but if I start talking really quickly and all the time Because I I used to do that a lot as, as a kid growing up. I used to talk quickly and a lot because I felt like maybe the person that I'm talking to isn't going to listen to me if I don't say what I have to say fast enough. Because it's just not that interesting. And because of that, they wouldn't listen, you know. And then I changed how I acted, the information that I was giving off into the world. And I started speaking much slower. I started pausing when I wanted to emphasize a certain point. I started stressing the words that I thought were the most important when I was saying something. And then the topics that I approached were topics that I, I personally thought were interesting, but I also knew that the person that I'm talking to could find them interesting as well, and that way we can have an intelligent and interesting debate. But you know, this was studied on my part, and I saw, I looked at myself, and I saw, okay dude I'm talking really quickly and you know no no let's start even before that I realized man I'm really not getting what I want out of this life I'm not getting the type of connections and interactions I want from people people aren't respecting me like I want them to respect me people aren't respecting me like I know they should be respecting me and I decided personally to look at it I was like okay when I say something to someone How am I going about how I'm saying it, and why aren't they listening? And you see that. You see how you act, and you see the different parts that go into how you act. And I realized, all right, I'm speaking too fast, and I'm not maintaining strong and warm eye contact. So that might be a problem, you know? And I consciously had to be, I had to keep on reminding myself to, Speak slower when I saw myself speaking fast. And that's not easy, you know. And it took a long time until I got it down. Because it fucks with, with your flow of how you sh- think you should be acting while you're doing it. And slowly you, you start acting differently. You start making eye contact with people. You start saying what you know needs to be said when you need to say it asking for things that you otherwise don't feel so comfortable asking for but you know you need to ask for right now not then and you act that out because that's the only thing you as an embodied being can do you can act things out and when you act them out differently life will interact and react back differently and by life i mean literally everything around you that happens to you from interactions to people to the randomest things popping out and that's just the case man and this is why we respect actors and actresses so much because they have the power to change how they act and interact with the world at a moment's instance you know at an instant and because of that they get more out of life from what they want, and this is why, like Jim Carrey went through his—I don't know if any of you saw that. Jim Carrey went through a phase. I think he's still going through it, and like he—he's really like in a in a weird place with his ego, trying to understand. Like because this happens to actors. You you play so many different actors. Sorry, you play so many different personas during your films or during your whatever, and you change your personality completely at a moment's whim. And because of that, you realize that you as a character, you yourself, aren't that, aren't that, let's say, uh, let me say it the way Jim Carrey said it. He said that he felt like Jim Carrey as a character was just an, a hollow, shallow shell that could easily break away. And the guy, like saying it, he experienced it firsthand. He realized that the person that he thinks he really is, is just a shell and he can, he acted so many different parts and all of them were just as shallow as Jim Carrey. And he saw that and he realized that and he realized at the end of the day that him as a person is really nothing and no one. And like that's when his ego died, Uh, he probably took a lot of acid. And he realized, you know, this is this uh, this is all, you know, a big theater we're all in and we're all acti- actors playing with, within that theater. And that's what Shakespeare said, you know, it's like, and it's so true, man, it's the truest thing. There's nothing that's more true than that, <laughs> like there's, yeah, no, there's things, you know. This is very true and there's a, you know, there's a lot of functionality in it because how you act within the world really is how the world reacts back with you, you know. And you have to understand that. And if you want your life to change, you need to change how you act towards everything around you. And to change how you act, you need to really change how you see everything that you're interacting with and what you focus on. You are the sum of what you focus on. And do you want to focus on, you know, as for me, like if I'm in any situation, the things that I would focus on are very different than what anyone else would focus on, let's say, in a social setting. For me, I really like bracelets. I have a thing for bracelets and I like—I I really love them. So when I'm talking to someone, I notice when like, they have a nice bracelet or a nice necklace. But other people might be more focused on shoes or more focused on hairstyles or more focused on whatever. And I'm not just talking about style, I'm talking about topics, with what words people are saying. I try to keep an eye out for what people say and when and how they say it, because sometimes people would say a sentence that no one would pay attention to, but that sentence says so much more about this person than anything else they've said so far. And if you bring that sentence out and you try to talk about that, then you'll get to explore a side to this person no one thought to explore before and because of that you get closer to that person or you get to explore them in a way you didn't think you could and that's just more interesting you learn more about life and about everything because you don't know anything you don't know much and there's so much to learn from other people like my the friend that i stayed over at Dennis, uh, i stayed over at his place his mom is a professional cook and I helped her out cooking a bit and like when you just listen to her telling you about cooking like you learn so much like and I love cooking and I thought I knew how to cook but like she's just telling you how to how this knife works like that and then you know this is how you cut that simpler or you have to leave this this long because this and this and this and you're like whoa you know you don't know much but anyways the point is is that you focus on you focus on very different things and. And if something happened to me, you know, like I was, I was sitting today and I just sat down to start, you know, working on something I really wanted to work on. And I was excited, man. The second I sat down and like I told you guys, I've, I deleted all social media off my, my phone and I, I'm disconnected completely. Um, and it's been great. You know, I feel like really fresh. It's been like four days now since I've used, uh, any of that shit. And it's like, Whoa! I can actually sit down and focus without ever worrying about getting distracted, and you know those people that are really important to me called me for for Christmas and told me Merry Christmas and we talked, and we had really meaningful conversations. Um, but like WhatsApp or anything like that's just gonna drain you. So. I was. I just sat down to work, and the second I sat down, and like I thought to myself, "Whoa, wow!" You know, my phone can't distract me. Let's get to work. And then my cousin walks into my room, and he tells me, "Yo, dude, uh, Grandpa is on the phone downstairs with Mom. Uh, come say hi." And you know, in that second, you know, I could have. I felt like there were two sides to me that wanted to say something. A side to me that was like, "Fuck," you know. I just sat down and I wanted to to work. And then another side to me was like. Holy shit man, I haven't spoken to grandpa in so long. And you know, who knows how long I can like, who knows how far off into the future I get to still talk to him while he's still alive. And like, he's so cool. And I have so many good genes from him, you know? <laughs> I'm I'm at least the quarter of this, of this guy, you know? And like, I owe him that. The guy went through a lot of trouble in his life to, to raise literally eight children in very poor conditions you know and I was like fuck you know I wanted to like I get to talk to this guy right now what a pleasant surprise you know and I could have focused on two different aspects I could have focused on the fact that I I was just in the right mental space to start working and that I, I just sat down with the intention of doing that and how oh man this thing came in to fuck up with like to fuck with my my intentions to sit down or I could focus on the fact that this is actually something really great that I can I can be doing and this, this might not be the best example because with everything that happens to you, you can always look at it in a different way. You can always look at it in a different way. But that's just up to you to be attentive to how your brain is perceiving what it is that you're looking at. And, you know, I don't say this with an easy heart because awareness isn't the easiest thing that everyone naturally does. You know, I've met people with zero awareness, man. And I've met people with so much awareness i couldn't i can't put my finger on what what it is that makes someone aware you know i can't really you know scientists like no one's figured this out what is awareness you know what is any like because we're the only system that we're we were aware of that's constantly aware of how it's functioning you know and i i talked about this with Hani, is that we're at a conscious level of reality where we can think about thought, and we can feel about our feelings, you know, we're on a different layer of reality where we can always view these things from the, from an outer view. And we can also look at our brains and their processes and their thought process and, and see, look back at how this thought process was formed and say, okay, I thought about this like this, and this is why I acted like this. Okay, how could I have acted better next time to not go into the same situation? to not have life react to me the same way? Or how can I view the same thing next time or later on in a better light so that I can have a better type of energy when I'm approaching it, right? I'm not mentioning all of this for no reason. I'm mentioning all of this because New Year's Eve is coming up and we're all going to sit down and think, you know, if we actually take the time to uh, usually around this period of time, we don't really have a lot of time, a lot of shits going on. A lot of shits going on all the time. But it's important to take the time and think, you know, what have I been through this year, man? I've, I've went to Madrid and I, I went through shit tons of shit in Madrid for five months. And then I did an internship in Dubai and I learned a lot in that internship. And then I went back to Germany and like I had... I had my interactions here again and you know that was 12 months of my life man and like things happened, certain situations that had an impact on me, certain fights, certain revelations, certain people that entered my life that mean so much to me and add so much value to my life and will hopefully remain in my life for a long time and and you can sit down and look at all of that and and see, you know, how, how did I act then, how did I act now, how, how do I see all of this, how do I feel about all of this you know, and how do I want my my future to be and you know, it doesn't need to be New Year's Eve for you to do any of that, you know, you can do it anytime. there's no point, you know, I can't like, I, I for me, I have a lot of trouble waking up early for me, I, I, I sleep a, a little more than I, I'd like to And I realized one of the reasons that is, is that if I wake and I look at the clock and I see it's like 9.57, I tell myself, yo, I'll get up at 10. You know, and then I'll close my eyes again and I'll wake up at 10.17. And I'll tell myself, okay, no, I'll wake, I'll get up at 10.20. You know, and I'll be like, it has to be a perfect rounded number for me to get up and, and wake up. But it never is, you know, and then I continue sleeping. And if we keep on waiting until something changes before we ourselves decide to change, we'll wait a very long time. And that's something I'd like us to, to really avoid, man, because it's your life. You know, and, and like I was, while I was having dinner at Kaya's place right now, um, one of, like he, he had, her, his mom had a family friend over and she was, I'd say, I'd say she's 40, you know, and she kept saying how old she is and how old she is and how old she is, and, you know, and I kept having to tell her, no, you're not as all. And and she hit on me a lot, and like she made me f- really feel feel good about myself, which was <laughs> nice of her. But then like she kept on telling me, oh, you're 22, you're still young, you have a lot of time, you have, uh, you have the world ahead of you and all of that. And I looked at her and I told her, no, I don't feel like I have a lot of time. I really don't. You know, I don't feel like I have any time at all, because because it's a fact you know the time you have is very limited you have 80 years give or take if if you're healthy and, and lucky and let's assume you have 80 years you know i have max 50 years of my life 30 of them i'll be considerably healthy who knows what what problems can pop up when and someday i'll die Someday we're all going to die. That's a fact we can't escape from. And the sooner we accept it, the better. And I think, yeah, I'll, I'll do a proper episode about death soon. Because, man, like, the fact that you have a limited resource of something and it is consistently running out means that it will end at some point. And the fact that it will end at some point means you don't have a lot of it. At least that's how I see it. You know, because I've seen it with my life, man. It's been like last New Year's Eve when Caillou came over to Hamburg and we went to, uh, we, we partied in Hamburg and we went to Dennis's place actually. That was like, it was yesterday. Blink of an eye, man. And I'm going to feel the same way the year after that. I'm going to feel the same way the year after that. And then someday I'm going to be 50 and it's going to feel like, man, just a second ago I was 22 Standing in a fucking football field, recording an episode about New Year's Eve. And then I'm going to be 80, I'm going to look back at my life and think, did I live a life that I thought was worth living to my standards or at least to the best of my capabilities when I had the chance to change it or to do something about it? You know, and that's a choice. That's a choice you make now, so that you can live it later, you know. And it doesn't need to be now because of New Year's Eve. It can be whenever, man. That's the point. And then we go on about New Year's Eve very wrong too. I think. Like I said, awareness is important in that case. To be, to be attentive. To the inner to the inner workings of your mind and actually learn, from your mistakes or to learn from how you view how your mind works. And I think so many aspects come into that, from memory to cognitive ability, to to acceptance of truths, to really not trying to lie to yourself, because we tend to do that. We try to lie to ourselves in a way or to distort how reality is exactly, overestimating our abilities or underestimating our weaknesses in order to over-evaluate the good that we might be able to have in the future when it's not really a reality you know we think something's going to change outside of ourselves that's going to change how we feel about ourselves inside but that's never going to happen you know Uh, all you can do is just act differently in the world and interact differently with the world and one way of doing that is listening to this podcast for example and listen about one dude's perspective about life and how he views, how he he should approach it. Maybe that way, the way you try to focus on things is going to be different too. And the way the things that you end up focusing on is going to be different. And the way that you're aware of your own thoughts in your head would be different. And because of that, you would act different. And you would live a better life because of it, you know. But it all started with you acting and sitting down and listening to this. Because you, if you're listening this far in, man, you... Definitely think that there's something worth listening to, you know. I don't think I'd waste 30 or 40 minutes of my time listening to a dude walk around the football field and talk about life if I didn't think he had something to say, if I didn't think my life could benefit because of it. Look at your life, really. Look at your the last year, the year before that. Look at your past, man. Look at your past. You know, I didn't consciously... I didn't, you know, consciously do it, but I realized throughout my life, I really looked at my past a lot and I thought to myself, yeah, when I was two, this happened and maybe maybe I might be right or wrong, but maybe because of that, I started acting in this way from then on. And then that happened. And then I started doing this like that. And then that happened. And then I started doing this like that. Hiccups. <sighs> And then you know, I I had some really weird things happen happened to me grow up, man. Like, and I and I sat down once and I wanted to I wanted to do uh, the self-authoring program by Jordan Peterson, the past-authoring program. So what this thing is is that you you take your past and you divide your past into six different uh, periods of time epochs. And you write, you write about the things that happened in those periods of time. And like when I was writing, you know, I don't expect this to happen, but like because I thought I dealt with it emotionally, but I realized, you know, I was writing about a certain something that happened to me, and you know, fuck it, I'll share it. When I was about, I think eleven, you know, I was maybe a bit older, thirteen. Uh, me and my brother and two sisters, one sister, my other sister wasn't uh, really up for it. We kept on begging our family to get a dog, always. we To get a dog, to get a dog, to get a dog, to get a dog, or anything really, because my mom was terrified of animals and so was my older sister. And then I, one of my neighbors had a German shepherd that had a kid and uh, had a puppy. And I bought the puppy from him. And like, I didn't buy it and then brought it home. No, I brought the guy with the puppy and my brother saw the puppy and my mom accepted. And like I bought the puppy And I think like, I'm not sure, but I think I paid for the puppy for money that I saved And then I, and then we started raising the puppy, you know, me and my, my sister and my brother And we raised him and we loved him, we called him Elvis, man, German Shepherd, really I I loved him so much And we, we took care of him, we did everything And we made a home for him in the backyard And all of that And then I don't know, six, seven months down the line, my uh, we were at my uncle's place, and all the family was there. And then my mom uh, gets up and says, "Guys, I have to go do something quick, and I'll be back." And you know, she she goes like maybe two hours, three hours, and then she comes back, and then we go home. And like I go home, the first thing I want to do is I go into the backyard and I want to check if Elvis is there, and I go. And I go, and he he wasn't there, you know. <laughs> he wasn't there, and then my brother came, my sister, and like they're like, "Where's Elvis?" And then I go to my mom. My mom didn't want to say anything, and she didn't look us in the eyes. And we start asking, we start you know shouting and screaming like, "Yo, where's Elvis?" Uh, and you know, it turns out that she just uh, she didn't she didn't think having a dog was a good thing for the house, and she. Uh, she threw him away. She put him in the back of his car and like Elvis loved her too, you know, I think he thought she was taking him out for a ride And he was so happy. He like he loved her, but she was terrified of him And she drove to a farm and she gave him to the, to, to some guy raising sheep And she came back and she came home She came to my uncle's place as if nothing happened and she drove us all the way home as if nothing happened and then than that, you know. And you know, it pains me to say it now, but I accepted it and my mom, you know, she didn't she didn't like having have done it too. It's not a topic she likes to talk about because it's painful. And when I wrote about it, it like I thought that that's something I dealt with emotionally, but it turned out that I didn't because when I was writing about it, I realized I was getting really angry and you know i was attentive to how like i was feeling about how i was writing this and i was angry i was really mad and sad and all of that all at the same time and you know i had to breathe and i had to stop and i had to be like whoa i didn't think that you know anything that happens to you for more than like for longer than 18 months and it still has such a an, an emotional impact on you uh, it's usually something you really didn't uh deal with properly you know because when something happens to you in the past your brain is trying to understand it so that the next time it, tr- it sees anything like it it knows how to deal with it you know so it it extracts a lesson from these these memories or moments and as long as you don't extract a lesson your brain will constantly still be stressed about this thing in your head and constantly waiting wasting energy about it or from it and this is this is why a lot of people would avoid, for example, sitting down and understanding their past properly and writing it down because it's it's stressful, man. It hurts. It's like you're opening up wounds you thought were closed. Uh, your stress levels your stress levels will go up. That's for sure. And, but the fact is is that you opened the wound, but because you did, you allowed it to heal properly this time, you know, and you might be stressed out because you open these wounds for maybe a week or two. But afterwards, your stress levels drop dramatically lower than they were to begin with, before they went up and you open these wounds, and then they stay at that level. You heal when you explore those things you don't want to explore about yourselves. Because when you try to explore them, you're faced with so much negative emotion, you're entire system is telling you to avoid them and i felt that firsthand man and i still feel it now talking about the story again but it's it's so important to realize where you are and you never know where you are until you look at where you fucking been you have to look at where you've been you don't know where you are until you see where you've been how, how everything up to your life led up to this moment How every moment affected you and what moments specifically affected you? Why did they affect you? Did you move schools a lot? Were you bullied? Were you actually popular? But because you were popular, you didn't feel like you had to exert any extra effort and now you don't exert as much effort. Or is it because a million things, you know, and maybe I'll do an episode with a guest about how to go about your life and look at your past. But I think like right now I'll, I'll just stick to that because looking at, looking at your past and understanding it and you have to have the courage to face it, you know, you have to have the heart to be like, because if you want to heal, you know, and if you're listening to this, you, a part of you wants to, to live a better life, you know, and, and there's something, you know, there's something so important about sacrifice that we tend to disregard from religion or not pay attention to. Sacrifice is so important because, since we're the only animal that's really aware of their position in space and time, we're the only animal that can look so far in the future and be like, sure I can eat right now, but will I be able to eat and will I be safe in the future too? Because that's a constantly changing platform or game that you're in. And because of that, because we're aware of how things are going to change all the time, we realized at some point that if I sacrifice right now that at some point down the line in the future I might be able to gain more. There's a reward within that sacrifice. So you can sacrifice two weeks of being stressed out so that you can open those wounds and give them enough time to heal again but then for the rest of your life you have you don't have those wounds anymore you have the lessons you learned from them but you don't have the stress that accompanies them always and then because of that you know where you are and because because you know where you are you really know where you can go from there you know but otherwise you know like you look, at your, you look at this world and this educational system that we're in and you look at people in college and university that are three years in and they they have a vague idea about the career path that they're going to take in the future they're going to go through and all of that. But if you sat them down and really asked them, you know, why is it that you're doing what you're doing? Or do you really know where you're going or what, you're, what it is you really want? where you're going or like if you really try to understand you know and this doesn't apply to everyone anyhow man yeah people don't really understand where it is that they're going and i don't really blame them but just that not a lot of people really took the time to sit down and think about that you know you just find yourself okay i graduated now i'm in uni or now i'm wherever else and now i'm going through this and you're acting it out, but you're not entirely sure if you should be acting it out or not. And it's so important to take the time to think about that. And that's another thing about acting out, you know. We're usually, and this is the thing, we usually, a part, of, a part of us in our heads, uh, you know, it, it knows. I can't explain this, you know, but a part of us just knows what it is that we should be acting out. You know, a part of us knows the best possible action we should take for the best possible outcome in a given scenario or, or at least it knows what we should not do and you hear this little voice inside of your head before you make a big mistake and it's telling you don't don't do this and a part of you is just like fuck it and you just do it you know and then you get punished for doing it just like you thought you would and then you even feel dumber because you got punished because you a part of you already knew that you shouldn't have done it so not only did you so not only did you make a mistake, you knew that you shouldn't have done it, and because of that you feel stupid for making that mistake. And by all rights, you should be, or you should feel that way. And <laughs> and you know, like, why not listen to that voice, you know, every now and then and actually not do the thing that we that you thought you shouldn't have done. Right? Why the fuck not, man? Like, uh, I don't know, man, we, we put the responsibility of our lives outside of ourselves and we expect something to continually change that on our behalf. And maybe a part of that is because our parents had that responsibility for a long time and they didn't transfer that responsibility onto us properly, you know, because at the end of the day, what do parents know, really? Like, they're trying their best. They're just like you. Growing up, and then they had a kid, and they're like, "Oh fuck, I need to raise this kid," and then they do their best. And then, like, what you think you sh- how you think you should act with your kid, isn't usually how you act with your kid because of how much emotion is involved with how you're interacting with this person that's so important to you. And man, you know, New Year's Eve is coming up, and to me, it's really, it's really not a big deal. Like to me, like I don't want to get completely fucked up. I don't want to lose uh, two weeks of my life trying to recover from a day that I uh, partied too much at or you know, like for me if I ended up spending New Year's Eve this year sitting down and writing, I think that's that would be the best New Year's Eve for me. But I already planned out that I'm gonna be Spending it with friends of mine in north of the Netherlands, in Vaden, where Caillou studies. And I don't plan on like going crazy, man. I just want to meet new people, have a good time, you know, and just uh, celebrate the end of this year and the start of a new one. Well, not really, because, you know, I think we think that if we celebrate it, and we start the year off with a celebration, and then, you know, maybe that will trickle down to the rest of the year. Uh, but if we start at the top, you know, there's no way, um, besides down. <laughs> I don't see the sense in that. I don't see... We put so much expectation into ourselves and, you know, right here, right now. and If we wanted to really change our lives, it has to be systematic, it has to be thought out, and it has to be taken step by step over a long period of time. But that's too much effort, that's too much thought, that's too much energy. We don't put it in. And then we continue to live the lives that we've always known we shouldn't be living and avoiding living the lives we know that we should be living just because we didn't bother putting in that tiny bit of energy that can compound and grow into something so beautiful, a force of nature that can be reckoned with. Ah, It's so beautiful here, man. Moons right there, clouds passing by slowly. You know when you can still see the moon through clouds? I think that's And it's just completely quiet around me. Ah.